Wilder Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Baptism Sundays are wonderful things around Wildwood. Three times a year, we get to celebrate God's faithfulness, not just in history and not just in Scripture, but in the lives of those we know and love. And today at Wildwood, we're celebrating with 11 individuals who are going to be baptized. So this is a a big week um, as we gather together as a church family. But it's not just a big week in here, but also in the world, it's a big week, isn't it? There's a lot of things going on, including the Olympics. Anybody watching some Olympics right now? Uh, At the Robinson household, the Olympics have been on most nights. Swimming and diving and gymnastics uh, have been on our television most nights. And so we have been celebrating with the Olympics. And my my son has actually learned how to play the national anthem on the piano, and he does it quite well. And so it is very patriotic around our house. You know, we're standing up and chanting USA, USA, USA. Uh, it is a, a great time. But it, it just reminds me of all these Olympic memories I have growing up, right? Some of these may be some memories that you have as well. Maybe Carl Lewis from the 1980s, Mary Lou Retton from 1984, the games in Los Angeles, Greg Louganis in the, in the 80s, in the early 90s, in the diving competitions, um, or even the Dream Team, the original Dream Team back in 1992. You might have some of those memories, you might have others, but a lot of those memories came from just watching the Olympics on TV as a kid. But there are other Olympic stories that I didn't watch live when they happened, but I've been introduced to them through movies. One of those stories was introduced to me through the the movie Miracle. Disney brought this movie to us to tell the tale of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. Now, this was an incredible story because they were a true underdog against the USSR, the best hockey team in the world. And the U.S. coach, a man by the name of Herb Brooks, who uh, was played in the movie by Kurt Russell, has the task of uniting the best amateur hockey players in the United States onto one team. And so he takes them largely from two areas of the country, the Northeast and the Midwest. The Northeast, a lot of them played on Boston U. And the Midwest, a lot of them played for the Golden Gophers at Minnesota. And, And what Coach Brooks found as he tried to gel these folks into a team is that their team chemistry wasn't really good because they were really focused on where they were from and trying to show each other up, Midwesterners versus Northeasterners. Not much has changed, right? But there was this competition that was happening inside of their team. And so Coach Brooks is trying to unite them. And so he would often ask his players, he would say, what's your name? And they would say their name. Then he'd say, what team do you play for? And they would always mention their college team. Well, that kind of division was ultimately showing up on the ice. And after a particularly poor showing in a scrimmage, Coach Brooks takes them back to the ice for them to work it off in some conditioning drills. And in the midst of those conditioning drills, Coach Brooks would stop them and he would ask one of the players to introduce himself again. And the player would say his name and his college. And then he would say again, back on the line. And they would go and they would skate and they would skate and they would skate. Well, eventually his captain, Mike Ruzioni, speaks up. And he says, Mike Ruzioni from Massachusetts. And Coach Brooks says, son, what team do you play for? And what did he say? The United States of America. 
yes, right? This exciting moment. And, and it illustrated in that moment a very important truth that Coach Brooks wanted them to know, that the name on their front was a lot more important than the name on their back. On their backs were their personal names. On the backs were their personal stories. But that is not what united them. What united them was not the college they used to play for. What united them was the name on the front, the United States of America, that they united together into one team. Now, I tell you that story today, not just because I want to talk about the Olympics. I tell you that story today because I think there's a very important principle that is laced inside of that. You know, some people look at the church, and they think that the church is a collection of people that all think the same way, that all have the same background, that all came from the same type of families, that all come from the same ethnicities, that there's this erroneous view of the church that all of the names on the back are all the same. The reality is the names on our backs are all very different. We come from different places. We have different backgrounds. But in the church, we're united not because of the name that's on our back, but because the name that is on our front. It is the name of Jesus Christ that is front and center in our lives. And it is he and he alone that is able to unite us inside of one church. We may be divided on a thousand areas out there, but when we come in here, we have the opportunity for unity because of what Jesus has done for us. Can I get an amen to that? Now, when we think of that kind of unity that Christ has bought for us as a church, there are a number of different places in Scripture where it talks about that. But there is one book, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends in Ephesus that really gets into this unity that Christ bought again and again and again. And I want to read for us today six verses inside of this where really Paul, in the hinge point of the book, makes a very important point for us to know about the name on our front and how it gives us unity in Christ. So I want to read those six verses for us, and then I'm going to make a couple of observations before we celebrate the baptism of these eight in this service together. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and says this. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, in these six verses, we're going to see something about the unity that Christ has made possible for us and and why we're talking about it on this day, on this baptism Sunday. The first thing we're going to see is this. There are lots of things on the back of the jersey. Even inside of the church, there are a lot of things on the back of our jerseys. There are a lot of things that are different about us. It begins with our name. But it continues in things like our, our genders are different. Our ages are different. There are people who are going to be baptized today that are young. There are people who are going to be baptized who are older. There are people who are going to be baptized who are men. There are people who are going to be baptized who are women. Uh, there are, are people today inside of this room that come from backgrounds where their family believed in Jesus. And there are people inside of this room today that are coming from a background where their family had nothing to do with Christ. See, there are a lot of different things on the back of our jersey, and that's not just unique to Wildwood. That's actually true of just 
the church. From the very beginning, all gatherings of believers were made up of people from different backgrounds. There are a lot of different things on our back. Well, what were some of the things that were different inside of the church in Ephesus? Well, Paul details a number of them for us inside of this letter. And we don't have time to look in depth at them, but I will just reference them. One of the differences in the Ephesian church was their ethnic differences. In chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, Paul talks about how the Ephesians came from different backgrounds. That church was made up of both Jews and Gentiles, ethnic differences. And because of those ethnic differences, the Jews had taken a custom to calling the Gentiles names when they were out there. But Paul writes in chapter 2 and says, you may have called them names out there, but that's not the way that we're going to behave in here because something has happened. There were some differences on their back, and those included some ethnic differences. There also were religious differences. In that same section of chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, Paul points out that the Jewish people had been recipients of the, the, the covenant of the Old Testament, that they had this, this promise from God that was a part of their spiritual history. They had worshipped. Their religion was different growing up than the Gentiles were. There were some differences. There were some things different on the back of their jersey. Even after they had come to Christ, there were some differences in terms of their gifting. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 talks about a number of the different gifts that were given to the church, and so they weren't uniform in that way. There were differences of perspective. There were ways that God had given them a slightly different manifestation of grace so that they might serve in different ways. There were some differences on their backs. There also were differences in terms of the cultural power dynamics. When we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, down through chapter 6, verse 9, there are three different comparisons made in that section between husbands and wives, between uh, parents and children, and between masters and slaves. See, in, in the world out there, there were these differences and distinctions of value. There were differences in the power dynamics in their society. But Paul writes to say, in here, in the church, in Christ, though our roles may be different, though our gifts may be different, there is a name that will unite us that sits across our chest. See, it is Christ and Christ alone that brings us together. It's not focusing on our differences. It's focusing on our Savior. Paul made this very clear in chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. See, friends, there are a number of different things on our backs. There are a number of different things that we have that are differences. But that is not what unites us. What unites us is not our differences. What unites us is not what is on the back of our jersey. What unites us is whose name is on our front. And that name that unites us is the name of Jesus Christ. It is in Jesus that we are united. Now, this is something that Paul had been very clear about throughout this, this letter. As a matter of fact, in chapters 2 and 3, Paul taught about it. He said that there was unity that Christ had purchased. 
In chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, he didn't just teach about it, but he prayed about it. He said, my prayer is that all of you, regardless of your family that you have come from, that you might come to realize how much God loves you and the resources that he has conferred to you in Christ. He he taught about it in chapters 2 and 3. He prayed about it in chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. But he also preached about it. He exhorted them to it. And that's what he's beginning to do here in chapter 4. Look at how he began these verses in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. In other words, Jesus has made it possible for you to have unity in here. Act like it. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on in verse 3 and he says, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, we need to participate in it. We need to get involved in it. We need to have our perspective transformed and, and shaped by what Christ has done, empowered by the Spirit. We should be eager to put forth effort to express this unity. This unity comes as we, as we show up, right? As we show up in this room, as we show up in our, our classes, as we, we show up as a church community together, as we show up in each other's lives and moments of need, we express it, we're eager to demonstrate it as we show up. But not only as we show up, but also as we grow up, that we have a, a dedication to the spiritual growth in our own lives, but not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. We, we show up not only to grow personally, but also to encourage those around us to grow as well. That's being eager to maintain this unity, growing together, growing towards Christ to show up and to grow up, but also to hold up, to hold up a a set of beliefs together, to gather together around what unites us and not what makes us different, to hold up what we hold in common. And what we hold in common, friends, is this amazing name that is on the front of our jersey, and that is the name of Jesus. In verses 4 to 6, there are seven different times that the Apostle Paul is going to use the word one and follow it up with something that we have in common. Now, what are those things that he mentions? Well, he says here that we are a part of one body. We're a part of one church family. Now, there are a number of different individual local congregations. Wildwood is one of them, and there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, millions of congregations of believers around the world. But what this verse is telling us is that though we will be a part of a local congregation, we also are part of one big body in Christ. In other words, there will be a day where we will enter into eternity. And if we know Jesus, everyone else who knows Jesus will be together with him in that day in one body. There is unity that Christ has brought. We need to remember that. But not only one body, but also one spirit. When we become a part of that one body, the one Holy Spirit of God has come to reside within us. And it's not a different spirit that comes to believers from one background and a different spirit that goes to believers of a different background. It's the same Holy Spirit of God that comes to dwell within us. We need to remember that it unites us because it is one spirit that is headed in one direction. Not only that, but because of that, there is one hope. This one spirit that is put within us, Paul would tell us in Ephesians chapter 1, God is going to bring that spirit back to himself one day. And when he does, we're going with it. So we have hope for the future. We have hope of eternal life. Not only that, but there's one Lord. 
If we are here today and we call ourselves Christians, that means that we've said Jesus is our King of Kings. Jesus is our Lord of Lords. It is Jesus who we are following. And that is consistent and common among all who call upon the name of Christ. We have one Lord. Not only that, we have one faith. We connect to him not on the basis of our performance, but we connect to him on the basis of trusting in him for the forgiveness of our sins and for hope for eternity. So we have that in common, one Lord and one faith. And also we have in common the one God and Father who is over all. Now, if you'll notice, I I mentioned six of those and not seven. Which one did I miss? Baptism, right? How can I forget that one on this day? Well, I didn't forget it. I I set it aside for just a moment because I want us to focus on it. He says here that also all who are in Christ have one baptism that they share. One baptism that they share. What's he talking about? What he's saying is that all who have trusted in Christ are invited to the water of baptism. And in that moment of baptism, they are demonstrating their hope for all eternity. And that hope is found not in the name on their back, but in the name on their front, in Jesus. And in baptism, they're they're putting on the righteousness of Jesus. They're saying that Jesus' death on the cross covers the penalty for their sins. That Jesus' resurrection puts on his righteousness so that we might be able to live in a newness of life. Those of you who are being baptized today, I I apologize. If I'd been thinking ahead, you would have come up out of the water of this tank today and we would have put a jersey on you that said Jesus right across the front. Would that be cool? That would have been cool. I didn't think of that soon enough. Maybe next time, right? But when we think about this one baptism, in this moment, we are celebrating people's connection with Christ and remembering that that is the hope that they have for all time. And when they come up out of the water, and it's a reminder not only for them, but friends, it's a reminder for all of us that we are celebrating with them because we're on the same team. Why is it that when somebody wins a swim meet that I stand up and go, USA, USA, because the name on their front, the name on their suit, the name on their warm-ups is the same country that I live in. And friends, when people come up out of this water, they're saying, J-E-S-U-S. And all of us who know Christ, we don't just go, well, that's nice. (laughs) No, we, we ought to cheer and celebrate because God has given to them his grace. God has invited them to be a part of the team. God is transforming their lives and God is transforming your life as well. We share in this so that when the church gathers, we remember that there is one baptism and every time someone is baptized, we remember that we're on the same team. And so today, we're going to celebrate these baptisms. And as we do so, one of our traditions at Wildwood is you're going to hear their stories. And in their stories, you're going to hear a lot of the things that are on their backs. You're going to hear names. You're going to hear personal details of their lives. All of those things. And those are, those are meaningful to us because we, we love them. They're part of our, our family. But I don't want us to just get focused on what's on the back. Inside of all of these stories, there also is front and center the name of Jesus. That God in His grace has worked to bring them to Himself. And so let's give praise to the one that makes this team. And here's the thing. If you're here today and you do not know Christ, 
You have not yet trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins. You're just checking out the claims of Christ today or, or you know someone is being baptized so you came to be supportive. We are so thankful that you're here. But here's what you also need to know. There's a jersey for you as well. There are not a fixed number of spots on this team and you didn't make it. But there's an opportunity for you to place your faith and trust in Christ as well. For you to become identified with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as well. And so if you have never placed your faith and trust in Christ, today would be an amazing time to do that. To trust in him for what he has done, just as these individuals have as well. Now, what I want us to do is I want us to take a moment and just pray for those who are going to be baptized here in this service. And so at this time, if you're going to be baptized, would you go ahead and stand and remain standing? Because we just want to acknowledge you all collectively together. So we have Mindy and Kaysen and Melanie and Carson and Emily and Henry and Sam and Zoe. And inside your bulletin, there's a little insert if you want to remember their names, uh, but also their names are on the screen. And I want us just to take a moment right now and pray for each of these individuals, um, just thanking God for them and what he has done in their lives. So would you join me as we, we pray for them? Father God, thank you so much for these individuals. Thank you for how you have been at work in their lives, leading them into a relationship with yourself. Lord, this water is not strong enough to save anyone, but your son is strong enough to save everyone who trusts in him. And thank you that each of these individuals have trusted in you. And so they right now, before they ever get to this tank, they are recipients of eternal life, a gift that you have given them through Jesus But today, Lord, we get to celebrate with them that you have clothed them in your garments, that you have invited them and placed them on your team. Lord, may we, as we gather today, celebrate with a joyous heart what you've done in their lives and remember what you've done in our lives as well. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.